The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Um, we've been keeping you updated in the newscasts over the past 24, 36 hours about this coronavirus. Health agencies in Canada and other parts of the world waiting to hear if the World Health Organization going to declare a global health emergency in response to this rising number of coronavirus deaths in China. They've decided today to put a decision on hold to have uh, some more meetings into tomorrow. This illness has killed at least 17 people in China and infected more than 500 others. Uh, welcome to the show, my good friend Jason Tetro, the germ guy, host of the award-winning super awesome science show on Curious Cast. Hi, Jay. Hello. Happy New Year, by the way. Oh, thank you very much, and Happy New Year to everyone out there as well. All right, so you've been watching this closely. I mean, trying to follow your Twitter feed right now is like reading, uh, is like reading <laughs> Greek to me. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about, but I was checking in on you. I mean, for you, for someone who, you know, this is your world. This is what you um, do for a living. Um, This must be fascinating, but also a little scary. I mean, I I can't really say that it's scary because uh, I've I've gone through SARS. I've gone through pandemic influenza, Ebola, all of those. um, And and those were pretty much nastier than this. Okay. Um, This one sort of is probably the first time where the world is catching up at the same time as the scientists. Okay. <laughs> While we thought that was going to be a really good idea, because then the public would be right informed, and they'd re- yeah, not so much, mm. because it just became more and more fearful and panicky, and, and unfortunately, there's been a lot of misconceptions and misinterpretations, and yeah. There is some good news. I mean, if you, if, if you look back at, um, you know, what we've learned from the SARS uh, epidemic outbreak in, what, 2000? 2003 how many years back now is that 15 16 years ago now mm-hmm. uh, we're a lot farther ahead when it comes to this and it's important to remember i think sars and mers are coronaviruses as well right yeah um so sars was a really nasty coronavirus that came from uh essentially bats and then uh, through an intermediate came into us uh mers was also from bats and then went through camels and then came into us and they had the ability to get inside of our systems grow at a really really fast rate uh evade our immune systems and evade and essentially kill us okay um this wuhan version the ncov or whatever they're calling it now uh it doesn't quite have that it's it's kind of like sars but it's not sars and so what's happening is that it's getting into people it is starting to replicate it's starting to cause some problems but it's not strong enough to evade that immune system. So if you have a nice strong immune system, boom, eh, mild, or you may not even feel anything. But if you don't have a strong immune system, if you have these sort of comorbidities or, or underlying conditions, then your immune system may not be strong enough, and then you're gonna end up in the hospital, maybe in an ICU, and unfortunately, as we've seen in 17 cases, uh, death does um and and there's no there was never any vaccine for sars we don't have anything for this i mean a flu vaccine wouldn't protect you from this would it uh well a vaccine would uh there is currently in um houston at baylor uh, my friend peter hotez i think you've talked to him before mm-hmm. um he's developing uh, uh what they call a beta coronavirus vaccine oh. which would cover uh, all of this and um 
it obviously is gaining attention because uh, for you people who love stock markets out there, the company that's sponsoring it got shorted today. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the fact of the matter is that the vaccine obviously is in progression. It's going to take some time to get there. It's definitely not going to be here in time to be able to deal with this particular outbreak. So we're still going to have to sort of maintain that sort of vigilance, if you will, um, and, and stay prudent when it comes to this particular virus, infection, travel, all of those things. Uh, Jason Tetro, the germ guy, joining me uh, this afternoon. A lot of authorities, health authorities in Canada right now saying there's not a whole lot to worry about. Um, you agree with that? Yeah, uh, and it's funny because you said right off the top that the World Health Organization decided not to, or hasn't quite yet decided yeah. to call a global emergency. It was split half and half. Well, the reason it happens to be not due to the fact that this could possibly be a pandemic that will spread around the world it's the fact that it's chinese new year coming up mm -hmm. and as a result of that the way that this virus spreads is through close contact what i like to call kissing distance mm. well i don't know if you've ever been in the far east during any of these celebration times but the way they pack people in yeah, yeah. you are forced to be within that type of distance so the likelihood is is that you are going to see some kind of spread happening inadvertently just simply because there's that population mass mm -hmm. okay we have seen one case um in uh, the united states out in washington state around the seattle mm -hmm. uh, area there um if you if this person was in that area obviously flew back on a plane you talk about being in kissing kissing distance would people on that plane um be uh in in potential trouble well i mean that's the thing that we're trying to learn right now because we don't know what the full incubation time happens to be so what's been going on in china is that people who have come down with the infection um they get a list of all the people that they've come into contact with, family, friends, and others. And then those people are monitored. So at this stage, what we've learned is that unless you happen to be, like I said, within that kissing distance, mm -hmm. you don't seem to be having a problem because there's been none of these secondary cases, as we like to call them. So I don't think anybody who was around this passenger has anything to worry about. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are at this stage. I have a feeling that we're going to learn within the next week a little bit more about the incubation period because yes. in Wuhan where this started, uh, on Saturday they had a wonderful banquet. It's been all over the Chinese news. They had 40,000 families, Wuhan soup everywhere, like competitions. It's like chili competitions in Texas. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the fact is that we haven't seen a huge rise in the number of cases as mm -hmm. a result of that um, celebration. So if we do, then we'll know what the incubation period is. Uh, so if uh, the World Health Organization declares a global emergency, what does that allow um, them to do? I, like tra I'm guessing travel restrictions would be the big one. Well, what happens is that uh, when one of these uh, is called, uh, within 48 hours, all of the uh, member or signed countries to the World Health Organization have to implement certain types of regulations. And uh, the uh, IHR, the International Health Regulations, tells you what you're supposed to do. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stop travel. What it means is that you have to take travel into consideration as being a source of this particular virus. Okay. 
Whether we have to get there or not, I don't know. They're going to decide supposedly tomorrow. But what I would say is that unless you happen to know someone who has come from that area, or you have come from that area yourself, and that person or you happens to be exhibiting symptoms of a cold, a, a, like a deep cold in the chest, yeah, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. So when you talked off the top about the fact that the public's kind of caught up along uh, along with this and you know paying attention to it, I don't you know if that's a good thing or or, or a bad uh, bad thing. Are are we overreacting? Well, it's not the fault of the public for what's going on. I'll give you an example. You heard that there was like uh, uh, on Monday there was this like huge spike in cases and that yeah, like yeah. it tripled, right? Well, it had nothing to do with real time. What had happened is that there was a new diagnostic test that was approved. And so they went and they did all the people who had been sick over the last like month and they tested them. Many of them weren't even in a hospital. Many of them had recovered, but they still had to do the testing. That's why the case number went up so much. And it's the same thing with the 17 people who have died. It's not that we've seen double the amount of deaths in one day. It's the fact that the testing is picking up some of the people who have unfortunately died, and they didn't die because of a heart attack or cancer or something. They actually died as a result of this infection. But you see, that didn't come out until today from the World Health Organization. So everybody was thinking, oh my God, this is going exponential we're all in a pandemic situation so maybe sometimes it's not so good for the public to be right there with us while we're learning because i was screaming at the top of my lungs to people that no this is not the case but i'm one voice yeah you're one voice okay i need you to hold on to that one voice for just a second i need to i need to take a break here but when we come back i want to ask you about the ground zeros of these of of these viruses the bats the camels that sort of stuff uh stick around for a second yeah absolutely all right uh, jason tetro the germ guy joining me this afternoon we're talking about the coronavirus ground zero bats oftentimes so as you've been hearing, the World Health Organization putting off deciding whether to declare the outbreak of a new coronavirus in China a global health emergency. Uh, it's asking its expert committee to continue meeting tomorrow for a second day. The outbreak began in the uh, central city of Wuhan in a fish market. Jason Tetro, the germ guy, joining me this afternoon. Jason, um, yeah, a fish market. Uh, that's where Ground Zero believed to be from an animal there. Uh, I was talking to to a, a specialist yesterday suggesting as well, likely, possibly, um, the original uh, infector would have been a bat because we've seen that quite often. How is it that bat or what, bats, or why is it that bats carry these viruses? Well, bats are one of those mammals that seem to carry all the viruses and don't die. That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, Now, what normally ends up happening, and this has happened, as I said before, with SARS and also with MERS, and we're possibly going to see this uh, with Wuhan, is that there's an intermediate species. So while it's in the bat, it doesn't do a heck of a lot in terms of infecting us. It has to go through some other... um, Uh, animal so it could be you know a civet cat it could be a camel or in this particular case it seems like it might be a snake a snake yeah so 
There are a number of researchers right now who are looking at the uh, protein, the way that it looks. You know when you sort of see something under an electron microscope, it looks like a blob? Yeah. Well, that blob is made up of all sorts of different proteins. And so researchers are going through those proteins trying to find out which type of host would be best for this, and then would that host be actually in that Wuhan market? Now, fish, no, doesn't exist. Birds, mm, probably not. Snake, oh, wait, yes. Mm, so a bat, the, uh, yeah. a, bat beat a, a bat bit a snake? Well, I mean, uh, the bats and the snakes, they, they, get, they don't get along. They just they, they hate each other. One hisses, the other one bites. It's, it just happens. <laughs> but what probably has happened is that there was a transfer of this virus to that intermediate species, um, and that then uh, transferred it over to humans. Now, one of the other reasons why a snake would make sense is because when you are dealing with a snake, you are dealing with all the bodily fluids and then that could potentially get into somebody. Whereas when you're talking about a bat, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the viral little video of bat soup. It doesn't mm. look like you actually are doing anything to the bat. Okay. Um, the same thing we saw, by the way, with Ebola. Mm. You see, Ebola was in uh, the, the great apes and, and, and the monkeys and, and orangutans and that. And it wasn't until they got um, used for bush meat that they came into humans. Mm. So what ends up happening is when we start to break down the um, corporeal nature of these animals, that immediately allows the virus to come into us. Hmm. And then when that happens, well, that's when we start to see whether it be Ebola in West Africa, uh, Wuhan right now, uh, MERS in Saudi Arabia, and SARS in uh, uh, Hong Kong. I, I find it fascinating that these viruses that can cause death in humans don't do anything to these creatures. And, and, I, and I wonder, and I'm sure there is some sort of, all sorts of studies going on about why that is. Oh, uh, it's actually easy. We kill ourselves. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a, a lot of the symptoms that you get, like when you have the flu, you yeah. know how you're always coughing and you're feeling achy and painy? Uh, it's probably not due to the virus. It's due to your immune system that's trying to fight off the virus. Okay. Now, if your immune system sees something that it doesn't recognize, it's going to go off the charts. Mm -hmm. And when it goes off the charts, it tends to forget that you can only take so much of the nastiness. So when SARS killed you, yeah, sure, there was a lot of virus there, but it was actually what we call a cytokine storm, where your immune system essentially lost it, goes off the charts, and starts killing everything in its path, and that's what killed you. Uh. Same thing with the uh, avian influenza. And so that's one of the problems that we're seeing right now is that if your immune system cannot find a way to control that particular virus, then it's going to go off the charts and it's going to go into the cytokine storm and potentially kill you. Now, I don't know if that's the case with this particular virus because we haven't heard anything about sort of what happens, the pathogenesis as we call it. However, since it does seem to be, you know, SARS-like, then there's a good likelihood that that really is the way it's happening. So uh, you'll be watching closely over the coming days to find out about that uh, transmission to see how how many, if that, if that number grows dramatically <clears throat> in the next uh, week or so. Yeah, and so uh, the things that I'm looking out for right now are in any of the cases that have left Wuhan and gone into a different country, have there been any secondary cases? In other words, you've got patient zero. Are there any other people who come down with it? Okay. So far, the answer is no. Okay. The second thing is how likely is it that we're going to see a spike in cases as a result of that banquet? 
Yes. If we don't see that spike in cases, then we know that it really does come down to that very, very close contact and, and what we call clustering, like families and, and healthcare mm-hmm. workers and stuff like that. The Wuhan Chili Festival, as you called it. <laughs> well, it's Wuhan Soup Festival, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's lotus root and pork. I mean, how can you go wrong oh, with that? Oh, that actually sounds phenomenal, to be honest It does. I mean, yes. apparently the spices and everything that they oh. use is amazing. Um, hey, what, have, what are you working on for your next podcast? So what we're doing right now is we are looking at how we're going to be able to beat mental health issues and i'm hoping that we're going to have that in a couple weeks but in order for us to do that we're going to have to do a collaboration and i'm going to announce that on the show in the next couple weeks oh interesting all right my friend thank you for this always appreciate it when you can uh, dumb it down and explain it to for us mere mortals (laughs) oh it's a lot of fun and uh, if you do follow my twitter feed at jatetro i apologize if it sounds really geeky but i've been doing this for some 30 years so i'm asking the questions that i really need to know so i can make you more informed it's it's fascinating it's like all symbols and and stuff like that i was like what is he talking about (laughs) anyway jason thanks for this appreciate it it was a pleasure take care talk to you soon my friend jason tetro the germ guy Uh, of course he is the host of the award-winning super awesome science show on Curious Cast. Um, I always love talking to Jason, eh? Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with this over the next over the next coming days. But if you want to follow, if you're on Twitter and you want to follow Jason, he gave you his, uh, his, uh, his account there. Check it out. Pretty interesting. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.